Welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell, and I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs, and I've been in business since 1994. Today's podcast is brought to you by Jonathan and Lynn Gilden at the Gilden Group of Realty Pros. They currently have over 275 star reviews on Zillow, and they are absolute professionals. If you're looking to sell your home or your business, and if you're looking to maybe buy, give them a shout. I absolutely vouch for them. Their information can be found in the show notes. Simply click and go. And speaking of the podcast, I ask that you please subscribe to this program, no matter where you get your podcast, whether it be on Spotify or Google Pod or Apple Podcasts or wherever else. There are a few others that we use, iHeartRadio. So wherever that is, please hit the subscribe button. That really helps me. And also rate the show. Please give it five stars. That helps. All right. So today I'm going to talk a little bit about simplification with working out, with strength training, and what we call hypertrophy training. All right. So you might think of those things as the same thing. And in a sense, they kind of really are. I mean, we're really getting into the minutia when we start to talk about differences between muscular strength adaptations and muscular size adaptations and muscular endurance adaptations and power. Those are all things that can come about from a strength training workout. And by manipulating the acute program variables a little bit or the variables of the program, we can kind of shade towards one of those areas over another. All right. But there's a huge association between muscular strength and muscular size. I can remember being in graduate school and I took that argument and I really don't remember why. I think my advisor and my professor at the time, Mr. Gerald Gurgley, Professor Gurgley, who is still a mentor to me, he was a such a great leader in our program there. So I think he assigned it to me because he knew I was into strength training and he wanted me to help educate the class because there was a, or is and was, a lot of confusion over that. So even at the graduate level, we had people that would still say things like, well, that guy is kind of big, but he's not very strong. And you still hear that sometimes, and maybe you're listening to this and you're one of those that just, you know, wants to be like real toned and real skinny and, you know, want to get stronger and all that. Okay, bear with me. Just hang in there. I know I'm talking about muscle mass and size, and that's maybe a turnoff to some segment of the population, but bear with me here because this is going to apply to everybody. It's, it's very important to know and to understand. So there is still that sort of misguided belief, basically that there's a huge difference between the two. I can remember a client meaning well one time and saying, well, he's super strong, which is kind of unusual because he's not a very big guy. 
And I was thinking to myself, well, he actually is a big guy. He just doesn't have a lot of body fat on him. And he's got a ton of muscle on him. So he's very lean. So sometimes we don't always understand that, that the actual size to strength relationship has everything to do with muscle size, nothing to do with just outright girth, like fat, bone, height, whatever, has everything to do with what we call cross-sectional muscle area. That is like the number one correlate to greater strength is cross-sectional muscle area. In other words, if you open up a certain area, the more muscle in that area, that area is going to be stronger. All right. So I remember speaking to our graduate class on this and there was still a lot of that pushback and people would say, well, you can be strong and not be very big. And there's some, an element, a very, very small element of getting stronger without really having much hypertrophy occur yet. Hypertrophy is what we really call muscle cell enlargement. That's how we get bigger. Hypertrophy is the physiological term to an individual muscle cell getting bigger. And when all these muscle cell fibers get bigger, we get bigger. So there's a little truth to getting stronger without it. And we call that recruitment. And that's a neurological and neuromuscular thing. And that means that if we train our body to push things faster, we recruit more muscle fiber and we do get stronger through neurological adaptation. So there is a component of strength to neurological adaptations, meaning there is a component to training our brain that if we elicit a greater response, like lift a heavier load, we are training our brain to send more muscle fibers or motor units to a certain area, thus lifting the weight. So that's one of the components of strength for sure. But the biggest component to strength is hypertrophy. And that means if we're getting bigger, we're getting stronger. All right. So how this applies to everybody, once we understand that, adding muscle tissue is an absolute beautiful thing. Okay. And a lot of times guys, especially want to get bigger. Now, first, there's a huge genetic component to that. Now, everybody can get bigger. Everybody can hypertrophy. But there's a set limit on all of us just on how much we can hypertrophy. I've gone over the four different components of genetics and strength training before. I'll just say them briefly, but it comes down to fast twitch versus slow twitch muscle fiber, muscle belly size, your body type, such as are you an ectomorph, mesomorph, or endomorph, and then your genetic resting levels of human growth hormone, insulin growth factor F, and testosterone. So those are the four things. We have to have them all going in our favor to be the biggest guy in the room, so to say, unless we're in a room with a lot of little people, but I think you get the point. So there is a limit, but everybody can add muscle and everybody can get stronger. So there's a lot of physiological things 
that goes into a workout for sure. And I like looking at those and I like studying those. But sometimes we just have to use a lot of common sense. And I think I do do that here. And I think we do do that here. Like we're able to take the research and go, wait a minute, let's let's dumb this down a little bit and let's do the most important thing. All right. So, for example, if you want to add muscle size or what we call in the industry hypertrophy. All right. So us strength coach geeks, you know, look at four different adaptations and really five. And I'll just name them really quick. Again, it's hypertrophy, muscular endurance, muscular strength and power. And then I'll add a fifth that says metabolic workout, which basically means using weight training as a means to lose weight and burn calories because some people flat out don't like to do a lot of traditional cardio. So those are like the five styles of working out. And I've kind of added that fifth one here because I just think it's become so important for people. So us strength coach geeks like to sit down and make our plans and go, okay, so what overall are they really trying to accomplish? You will very rarely find somebody that isn't in the strength and hypertrophy category. In other words, they just go hand in hand. And most of us are there. Like power would be for, say, a basketball player who really has trouble getting off the ground. I mean, you're going to struggle as a basketball player if you don't have a very good vertical leap. Well, vertical leap is a component of power. You can be the strongest guy in the room, but if you can't jump quickly, you don't have a lot of power. You're not going to get off the ground. So the NBA ball players who are some of the greatest, if not, they're not the greatest athletes in the world, but they are ranked in the top five of all fitness categories because they are big, they are strong, they are fast, they do have power, they have all of those variables. And by the way, if you're curious as to what was ranked the number one most fit athletes, it was MMA fighters. So anyway, but the NBA basketball players were ranked. They might have been even number two. I can't really remember but they're up there. So you have to have power to jump. So let's say you're an elite basketball player and your goal is to improve jumping. Well, we would briefly go through a strength training program to make sure the base strength is up, but then we would quickly go to power and work on power training. So that would be an adaptation, but that's rare. Endurance is being able to do a ton of pull-ups and push-ups, which is all great. Those are fitness things for sure. But most people don't need maximal endurance, but I have worked with people who did. For example, there was a kid that needed to up his scores to get into West Point. So we did a lot of endurance training, a lot of those things I just mentioned. All right. And then metabolic workouts, yes, is common. Um, A lot of times, as I said, people don't like traditional cardio to burn calories. Metabolic workouts give us Minimal, but some strength, but what they really do is burn a ton of calories so the person can somewhat create a calorie deficit. But as you know, if you've read my famous book, You Can't Outrun a Poor Diet, that doesn't give us a license to eat whatever we want. All right, so most people fall into strength and hypertrophy. So they go hand in hand. And if this is what you want, if you're a guy that wants to put on maximal muscle, which again is great, What we need to do is pick the rep range that has been most associated with it. There are tons of variables, but 
At the same time, I think we overcomplicate this and sometimes we just need to go back to the basics. And the basics state that the ideal rep range for that is six to 12 reps. So that is what we call moderate reps because under six reps is considered low reps, very heavy training. Over 12 is considered light reps and more for endurance and things like that. So six to 12 has been thought to be the greatest rep range for hypertrophy and general strength. All right, maximal strength would be under six, meaning you're really trying to improve your bench press. But again, they go hand in hand. And yes, there's variables in the rep ranges. How fast are you going? What is your speed? Is your form good? Of course, all those things are true. But again, we can get so caught up in the minutiae that we forget that most of the qualitative and quantitative research states that six to 12 reps is ideal for hypertrophy. Not that you can't get it otherwhere, but ideal. All right, so if we know that, then the best way to maximize it is to use the most weight we can in that rep range on every exercise that targets the muscle group we're trying to target. And voila, that is truly the way to bigger muscles. And that's where strength and hypertrophy go hand in hand. Now, last month, you may recall, or you may not, doesn't matter, because I'll briefly tell it anyway, I broke a rib. Doing something silly, broke a rib. Second time I've done it. First time was a little better than the second time, meaning at least I did it surfing. Second time, I don't even want to get into it. Stupid. Anyway, um, okay, I was laying on the floor, uh, plain and simple, concrete floor, stretched my quad by leaning back to pull up, lifted up on my rib funny. There you go. Anyway, much better story to say I did it when I was surfing because that's the truth the first time. So anyway, I was limited to as to what I could do for strength training because many things hurt. If I sat on the leg press and brought my knees back, that bothered the rib. If I did squats, that bothered the rib. If I laid back and did bench press, it bothered the rib. So I said, okay, let's nip this in the bud, not be stupid. Let's let this thing heal. So I sat down and did what I like to do, which is basically design the exercises and rep ranges. And I like to make myself and other people a plan for basically a month at a time. So I sat down, decided I should do a full body workout simply because there wasn't a ton of exercises I can do. And essentially the exercises I could do were seated exercises with a backrest. So I said, all right, so what are the exercises I can do for that? So I sat down and I came up with ab and adduction, leg extension, leg curl, seated dumbbell curl, standing tricep press down was fine. I'm trying to think. Lower back, oh, and seated side raise. Now, after a couple weeks, and actually even shorter, I was able to bring in some other things, which was good. But being smart this time, I brought them in slowly. All right, so those were my exercises. So then what I did was I decided how many sets I was going to do and then how many reps. And I basically said, keep it simple, stupid all month. Just keep the reps at 10. Let's not get fancy. So my reps were 10. My sets were around three. And I started out with a certain amount of weight. Every time I worked out, or at least once a week, I was trying to overload, which is what we should do, the weight in the same rep range. So I was trying to use more weight in the same rep range of 10. So it really wasn't a range. So the same reps of 10. And I'm always conscious of being qualitative, meaning I always attempt to keep the best form that I can. 
All right. And I think my form is really good. So I started with weight and then it was pretty cool, which is what prompted this podcast. So that was last week. I finished up that routine. Rib is about 99%. Really. I only feel it if I roll on it funny and then I feel some residual pain. So essentially the plan worked. I was able to continue the workout, hit most of the major muscle groups while I was recovering. But the cool part is I looked at the numbers at the end and every day, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and I changed it up just a little. I went from like 20, anywhere from 20 to say 50 pounds improvements on all of my exercises. Now, some of that was a little um, tainted because I started probably lighter than I could have on a couple of the exercises because I hadn't done them in a while. But I gained at least 20 pounds across the board fairly on all of the exercises just by being mindful about it. I mean, psychologically being mindful of it and physiologically, that's what our body's going to do if our mind is mindful and we do the work. So I thought that was pretty cool. I'm like, oh, that's good. So my leg extension went from using 90 pounds at the beginning of the month to using 120 pounds at the end of the month. My leg curl went from using 80 pounds in the beginning for sets of 10 to 110, no, 120 at the end of the month. My abduction went from, I think it was 140 to 175 and on and on it went. And even the bicep curls went up a little bit and I was using dumbbells. So it only went up five pounds, no, 10 pounds, went from 20s to using 30s for sets of 10. Um, press down went from 90 to 140. So all of the weights went up. All right. So Going back to my little presentation I did for Mr. Gurgley years ago at UCF, if you're getting stronger, you're getting bigger. If you're getting bigger, you're getting stronger. And I did gain a couple pounds, and I'm willing to bet it wasn't fat because I kept my diet relatively the same. I just really focused in on doing that. So the greatest way we can get bigger is by adding weight to the rep range that we've already selected. And we just simply call that overload in the form of linear periodization. We're keeping the reps the same, but we're overloading to the best of our abilities. Now, naturally, you just can't keep going up. I've switched it around a little bit. Now I'm doing four days a week because I can do more exercises, thankfully. Um, but And I'm still keeping the reps relatively the same, but there's a few more exercises. But if I was to continue on that same full body path, no, I wouldn't continue to add another 30 pounds this month. I mean, there is a point of diminishing returns. But the point is, is that we can continue to improve up to a point. And then once we do hit a plateau, we simply bring it back a little bit and change the exercises. So there's ways around it. But the moral of the story, again, is this, and I will repeat. If you want to add muscle, add load to the rep ranges that you're currently doing. Plain and simple. And if you want to get stronger, you have to do the same thing. They go hand in hand. They really do. All right. Now I'll finish off by saying for those, well, I don't want to get bigger. Look, most of the time we're not going to put on these huge muscles that some people fear. I mean, you have to have a genetic propensity to do that. You really, really do it. You know, I could do that perfect or great hypertrophy plan, like very well thought out. And if it's not in the cards, cards genetically, I'm going to gain a little bit of muscle, get a little bit stronger, but it's not like I'm going to like all of a sudden become Arnold Schwarzenegger. We have to understand that the way we train makes us a little bit better, but it doesn't change us into this 
different type of person. All right. So we should all be, no matter what our goals, trying to overload. That's why I'm so big on the charts here. You know, I'm fanatical and, you know, I get mad at trainers if they lead numbers off because it's like, you know, let's, let's stick to the books here. Let's, let's, you know, qualitative, of course, we always have to be looking for better form for sure. But there is beauty in the numbers as well. And I can tell you this, whenever I've exasperated a, a nagging injury that hasn't healed on me as fast as I wanted to, it's always because I've gotten off the course and tried a load I wasn't ready for because I wasn't overloading. I just tried it or I started doing like all these extra sets that weren't in the plan. So it's like, and the older you get, the less you can get away with stuff like that. You can play around as a kid, but like, as we get older, we want to stick to the plan. You know, if we got three sets of 10 and we're going to try to use as much weight as we can in that three sets of 10, then we should do that and then leave it at that. So there is absolutely a method to the madness of planning and overload and paying attention to numbers and the qualitative function of it, meaning form. Because yes, we don't just want to overload an exercise that is being done properly, all right? Like let's say bicep curls. You say, oh, I'm going to go up every time I get 10 reps, I'm going up. Okay, great. And then you look over and they're swinging the weights up and down using all this momentum. It's like, I mean, clearly, I, I hope everybody that listens to this knows that that's not going to work. So yes, we need the qualitative component. We need both. Quantity, let's measure it. Qualitative, let's keep the form down. All right. And speaking of qualitative, let's go to a qualitative chiropractor, Dr. Doris Antos of Ormond Beach, Florida. Her practice is on Granada. She's phenomenal. We absolutely refer to her. I, I absolutely vouch for her. She's a graduate of Palmer. And she does all different types of modalities from spinal manipulation to everything else that you may need. She's going to be on our show soon. As I said, we're just trying to put the dates together and I will put all of her contact information in the show notes. And until next time, be max fit and be max well.